So um, who's a football fan? Anybody a football fan in here? Oh, wait, we got about half, maybe, kind of multiple people. No, I'm okay. Thank you, guys. I love you can have it. So, you know, I grew up in Texas. Um, in Texas, football is life. I mean, from the time you're a kid, you're taught to like football, to watch football, and you pick a Texas team, typically, Houston or Cowboys. Back then, it was Oilers or Cowboys, right? They're not there anymore for young kids. They're like, Oilers? Who's that? It was the Houston Oilers back in the day, and uh, my mom married my stepdad when I was close to 16 years old, and, and uh, I was just an angry, angry uh, young girl, and so my my stepdad and I connected over football. We would watch football, and he was an Oiler fan, so I picked the Cowboys. <laughs> That's how you pick teams, right? <laughs> so <clears throat> I enjoy watching football. I always have, but this, you know, this year's been really weird. And if you watch football this year, it was really, really weird. There was games played on a Tuesday night. We don't watch Tuesday night football. That's just not what you do. You don't watch Tuesday night football, right? There was games played in stadiums were empty with cardboard people. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And then they pumped in the sound for the crowd. And they even pumped in the booze. And I was like, who's booing? Why are they booing? What's going on here? Why are they, why are they booing that? They're doing touchdown dances in front of nobody. The Cleveland Browns made it to the playoffs. I was like, whoa, hell is freezing over. What's going on here? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. What is up with this? Players were allowed to opt out. This is not a suit. This is not an NFL thing. Players can't opt out. They can opt out. Several made the decision to sit out. After 77 years, the Washington Redskins became the Washington football team. Jim Kelly finally has a replacement after 19 quarterbacks. (laughs) It's like, wow. Okay. The Raiders are in Las Vegas. Come on, Raiders in Vegas. The Vegas Raiders. What's up with that? Cam Newton is a Patriots quarterback. Are you serious right now? But this is the weirdest one of all. Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. (laughs) He played 20 seasons with the Patriots. 20 seasons with the Patriots. That is the NFL record for the longest playing quarterback for one franchise. You may not like him. You may have harsh opinions about him. Whatever you believe about him, I don't care one way or the other. Maybe you don't care about him, but you've heard of Tom Brady. You've heard of Tom Brady. Why? Because he's the greatest of all time. He's the goat. Oh yeah, I'll show you wrong, brother. Someone saying no. He has six Super Bowl rings, more than any of any other NFL player, and that's equal to any other franchise. As a whole, he's been to the Super Bowl nine times. Today will be 10. He's won six of those. What a loser. (laughs) 
as compared to other quarterbacks, Joe Montana, which I love Joe Montana, but he went four times. He won four times. Peyton Manning, I love Peyton Manning. He's probably my favorite quarterback of all time, but he went four or won twice. John Elway went to the Super Bowl five times, won twice. Drew Brees went once. Who said yes? <laughs> Everybody's got their favorite. Drew Brees went to the Super Bowl once, won one time. Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl one time and lost <laughs> to Joe Montana. During the regular season, Tom Brady wins 77.3% of regular season games. That is the closest quarterback behind him is uh, Joe Montana, and he's still 6% behind. Montana was still 6% behind. Uh, uh, Tom Brady has won 73.1% of all of his playoff games. Montana's still behind him at 69.5%. And he's won 49 more games than Peyton Manning. Here's Tommy. He's back. And he's back in the Super Bowl at the ripe old age of 43. 43 years old. He is the oldest active player in the NFL. Currently. Now, if you know anything about football, you know that that usually goes to a kicker. <laughs> not a quarterback. And I'm not a, I'm not a Tom fanboy, okay? But I have massive respect for the man for his work ethic and his discipline. I don't know him personally. I can't comment on who he is as a person. But as an NFL quarterback, he's the GOAT. Just like, Matt, just like uh, uh, MJ, Michael Jordan. People love him and people hate him. But he is who he is. And we can learn from Tom Brady's football career. The Apostle Paul often used sports and athletes to show us what the Christian race was like. And he would relate it to them. So today we're going to have lessons from the goat. The first is this. You can go from nothing to a something. Tom Brady was the 199th overall pick in the 2000 NFL draft. You don't know anything about that. It's not good. <laughs> it's really low in the draft. Drew Bledsoe. So Drew Bledsoe is the one that he replaced. If you're my age and watch football, you remember Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe had an injury that actually almost killed him. Tom Brady comes in and Tom Brady never went out. And Bledsoe said, I really like Tom. He was a great guy. He was fun to be around, but I never thought he would be a starter in the NFL no one else did either. He would always be a backup quarterback. What if Tom believed those words? What if we believed all the words that were said about us? What if we believed our past and what we came out of? Folks, the Christian is not a victim. The Bible overwhelmingly declares that we are not victims in a fallen world, but that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We have to stop blaming others and stop pitying ourselves, because at some point you have to see yourself as a conqueror in Christ. At some point, you have to look at yourself and say, I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. Now, we're not to look at ourselves more highly than we ought to. 
Romans 12 says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has uh, given him. But we're not supposed to think of ourselves more lowly than we ought to either. This means that you have to take God at his word. That's what faith is. It's believing God. Not just believing in God. Lots of people believe in God. The demons believe and tremble. It's not I believe in God. It's I believe God. I take God at his word. And this victim mindset is so prevalent, especially among this younger generation. But it's an acquired mindset. What does that mean? It means it's learned. It's a learned mindset. So if it's learned, it can be unlearned. You know, and I stand up here and I have every reason to live as a victim. I, 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 uh, I never knew my dad, my mom. Um, I, I was raised around drugs and alcohol from the time I can remember. My mom gave me marijuana when I was nine and it just like escalated from there. I did a bunch of drugs. I was sexually abused. Um, you know, I, I was sitting here and I started crying when I was thinking about what Christ has done for me and where would I be without him? I almost got caught up in a prostitution ring when I was 18. Where would I be without him? But God. I am more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things in him. I don't live as a victim. I choose to believe God's word. I choose to live as God says that I can live. I choose to do what God says I can do. And this is the essence of faith is to believe God. I just take him at his word. His word said it. I believe it. I can do it. I am everything he says I am. There's nothing else. Nothing else matters. No matter what somebody said about me. No matter what somebody's doing to me. I'm not a victim. I am more than a conqueror. And his word is truth. And we have to let those words get into us, into our hearts, into our minds, into our souls until it becomes a part of me. When the Bible says you are more than a conqueror, you believe it. When the Bible says you are forgiven in Christ, you believe it. You don't have to feel forgiven. You just have to believe what he said. The Bible says he's your deliverer. Believe it. The Bible says he is your healer. Believe it. The Bible says he is faithful. Just believe it. He is my stronghold in times of trouble. I could go on and on and on and on what it says about who he is to me and who I am in him. But you have to believe it. You just have to take God at his word. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Paul says, take heart, men, for I have faith in God that will be exactly as I have been told. And some translations say, take courage. Have courage. Do not be afraid. Don't live as a victim. It will be even as God spoke to me. And it has been. Why? Because God is faithful. Mr. Brady taught me how to be disciplined. Brady's commitment isn't limited to the field. 
Just consider the way he eats. Listen to this. 80% of what his family eats is vegetables and whole grains, brown rice, quinoa, millet beans. The other 20% is lean meats, grass-fed organic steak, duck every now and then, chicken, as for fish, mostly wild salmon. He also does not eat white sugar, white flour, caffeine, dairy, or nightshades because they cause inflammation. He also eats avocado ice cream as a treat. (laughs) He has a strict fitness and diet plan. Why? Because he wants to succeed in football. What's wrong with us? See, he does it for an earthly prize. We have an eternal prize. First Corinthians 9, 26 and 27, Paul said this. He said, I do not run aimlessly. He says, I don't run without aim. I have an aim. I don't box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And when you read this in context here, he's saying, I can preach to everybody else. I can win souls to Christ and I can do all these great things to Christ. But if I fail to discipline my flesh, I can miss the mark. I'm disqualified. I've missed the mark. I like to say you can't outrun a bad diet. Cannot run a bad diet. You you can discipline your flesh physically, but what what you're putting inside you matters. What's putting inside of you matters. And if you're not putting in the word of God, then nothing else matters. If I am anything, folks, I am a disciplined person. You can ask anybody that knows me. I mean, almost to a fault. I am very, very disciplined. It's funny when, when people say, they see me somewhere eating at a party or something like that. And when I'm at a party, I eat. I eat dessert and I have everything like that. And I have a big old plate and, you know, it's, and it's good food out there. And people say, how do you, how do you stay thin and, and eat like that? So, well, I run probably between 20 and 30 miles a week. And I don't eat like this all the time. <laughs> this is a special occasion. I save it for my special occasion. I'm very disciplined in my eating. Folks, the truth will set you free. But if you don't unlearn things in discipline, you won't live free. You'll remain in bondage. Because what? It takes discipline to undo those faulty victim mindsets. God will always do his part and he's faithful to do his part. But you have to do yours. The Bible says you put on the new man. The Bible says you renew your mind and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You've got to do that. And it takes discipline to fight your flesh. Because the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh wars against the spirit. You've got to fight your feelings and emotions. We're not controlled by these things. It takes discipline to get up in the morning and read the word of God and apply it to your life. It takes discipline to get up early and pray, to seek God's face, to seek him first. It takes discipline to fast. It takes discipline to cut out food and say, I'm not going to 
eat this today. I'm going to fast as unto the Lord today. And it takes discipline to say in the face of adversity, I will not be moved. An undisciplined person will not go through the trial without breaking down. Tom Brady taught me how to compete. Now, there are two types of competition. There's competition with others and there's competition with yourself. Past teammates had described instances in which Brady broke ping pong paddles and throw backgammon boards across the room when he lost. He also once, though, gave his team a pep talk before a charity football game against a group of firefighters. (laughs) Why? Because he's a fierce competitor. But it's never at the expense of the team. And some people don't know this about me, but I'm a highly competitive person. I don't play board games anymore. (laughs) I'm going to tell myself, you know, it's so funny. Please don't expect more of me than you expect of yourself. Okay. So, uh, there's a beautiful couple in our church, Lana, Danny, Ludvina, and Danny's been with us almost 16 years. I mean, she's been with us a long time and I love, I love her to pieces and we joke about it. Now we laugh about it. Well, we laughed about it after the time, but it was one of the very first women's retreat. And, um, we, we, I mean, like when I say retreat, we had like eight to 10 women. It was very small. We got snowed in. We were up on the peninsula and, um, we we're playing a board game. <laughs> And Danny did something I didn't like her to do. And I called her the B word. And and everybody looked at me and I realized what I had said. Because if you know me and you've walked with me any time, I didn't even cuss in high school. Like, I just don't cuss. I'm not a cusser. It's nothing that's ever, I ever fought with. Like, anything like that. This competitive nature came out yes. in a board game at a women's retreat. <laughs> Competition got the best of me. I'm one of those people that at the gym, I'm running on the treadmill and I'll look over to see what they're doing. And if I got to do more and longer, I don't care. I don't care, man. I don't care if it's an old man, whoever you are, I'm beating you. (laughs) But we are not in competition with anyone except ourselves. We have to view ourselves. We're all on the same team. And I have a friend who competes in uh, strong lady competitions. And she always says, it's me against me. And she says, I'm striving to better myself. And when we better ourselves, it makes others stronger. When we better ourselves, it makes the team stronger. We better ourselves, it makes the church stronger. Galatians 6, 4 says, let each one test his own work and his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. In Corinthians, it says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. And the, and the Christian walk is where we are all in the same race, but we're not all in the same lane and we're not all in the same field of events. We've got different events. We're doing different things. We're all a part of the body. And I'm striving every day to be more and more like Christ, I'm not competing with anyone. We should all have the same goal to walk as he walked, 
to live like he lived, to overcome like he overcame. See, my fight isn't with my peers. My fight isn't with my fellow, my, with my brethren. My fight is with the devil and my flesh, <laughs> not others. Don't we have enough to take care of with just battling our own flesh than trying to compete with someone else? Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And this selfish ambition is translated in the Greek as rivalry. It's that competition for superiority. We're not in competition with anyone. Second Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Me against me, becoming more like him. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And when we work on ourselves, folks, we strengthen the whole body. Tom taught me how to work really hard. Now, Tom went to the University of Michigan, where he was the seventh backup quarterback. Again, not good. Not good. Like most of these, these phenoms, man, they were the best at everything. And Tom just wasn't. He wasn't. The coach said he was slow and pudgy. And for two years, he never saw the field. That's a big deal as a college to go to college and say, I want to play football here. You're the seventh backup quarterback and not play for two years. And so he began to put into this, he called it 10,000 hours of practice. He did whatever he could to improve his quickness, agility, and speed. The lesson for us is to rebel against boredom, obstruction, comfort, and neglect. These are the enemies of our race. Labor is the law of God. We don't work for salvation. We're saved, so we work. But labor is the law of God. All work is essential. You know, which is when, when government said, well, some are essential and some are non-essential. I said, no, don't believe that. All work is essential. All work is essential. The Lord told Adam in Genesis, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he stretch, he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken from the beginning. That was what God said. You're going to work now. Go out and work. And Proverbs says in all toil, there's profit, profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You know, and when I was younger, and I did all sorts of bums. They were all going to be rock stars. <laughs> I dated the rock stars. They're all going to be rock stars, right? You know, and I say people, you know, young kids, man, dream big. You know, dream big, but you have to work while you're dreaming. You got to work. I will never allow my daughter to marry someone that's unwilling to work. You can't just hold out for your dream waiting for someone to work. You got to find work. It's God's law. It's good for us. We have to work. In 2 Thessalonians 
Paul says this, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone will not work, he will not eat. If a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. You know, and I, and I realize the society in which we live in, let's just all like live off the government. Let's just all live off of everybody else and take advantage of everybody else. That's not God's law, folks. That's not God's word. Laziness is not a characteristic of a successful Christian. Hard work. How to be selfless. Tom taught me how to be selfless. Individuals don't win football games. How many of y'all know that? I mean, the greatest, greatest, but you don't have a team. You ain't going down in history is the greatest. Teams win football games. And to be on a team, you must learn to be accountable to the people around you. Tom Brady has sacrificed something close to $100 million million in contract money for the bettering of his team. Yeah, it's smart. He sacrificed to put his team in a winning position. He could have gone down in history as the highest paid quarterback ever. But he said, I want to be on a team that's going to win. The 2007 season may go down as Brady's greatest individual season when he won his first MVP award and led the Patriots to a 16-0 regular season record. So how did Brady reward those that kept him upright, enabled him to rewrite the NFL record books? Brady gave each one of his five starting offensive linemen an Audi Q7 SUV as a token of appreciation the following season. What does that, what does that cost? hundred grand? At least a hundred grand. Yeah. Each. Why? As a sign of appreciation. Why? Because he, he, he ain't getting blocked if you don't got a good offensive line. <laughs> And guess what? It's not about you. Oh, really? I understand the self-esteem fairy's been, you know, sprinkling their their fairy dust over our society lately and telling our kids, it's all about you, do what you want. It's not about you. It's not about you. Guess what? Your marriage, it ain't about you. Your family, it's not about you. Your job, it ain't about you. And most definitely, the church, it ain't about you. Amen. Selfishness is not a characteristic of a Christian. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. 1 John three seventeen. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother is in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So he says, you don't have the love of God if you look at somebody that needs something and you don't do it. Ooh, that's a strong statement. If you don't have the love of God in you, you ain't of God. Any man that doesn't love doesn't know God. So if you're a selfish person, you might not know God. That's what it boils down to. Paul told the Corinthian church, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Tom also taught me the value of preparation. Football requires practice. How are we up here talking about practice? Some of y'all get that. (laughs) Brady has been known to be studying film at 3.30 a.m. 
3.30, who gets up at 3.30 a.m.? That, that doesn't have somewhere he's got to be. <laughs> he, he, but he does it to look at film so that he can play football better. So that he knows what his opponent is doing. Tom said, other than playing football, the other thing I love to do is preparing to play football. <laughs> he said, I love to prepare to play football. And how do we prepare for our race, our, this Christian race? We, we prepare by knowing our enemy's strategies. That's the point of looking at film is to know what your opponent is doing. So we, we, we need to know what our enemy is doing. And the ladies, this is kind of a little bit of a, uh, uh, I'm re- reiterating what I said on Friday night, but um, at the women's thing, we talked about knowing our enemy's strategies. And if you're interested, ask your wife. But we would do well to take the enemy seriously. Some people give him too much credit. But some of y'all don't take him seriously enough because the enemy's not playing around with us. It's not a game to him. The minute you repented, the minute you were born again of the spirit of God, you became a target of Satan. And he lost territory when you became a child of God. You better believe he wants his territory back. He's not playing around. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy everything we hold dear. And the Bible says, don't be ignorant of his devices. First Peter says, be sober. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I'm going to break it down for you in the Greek. Be sober, be vigilant. This is, means give it your immediate attention. This requires immediate attention on your behalf. These are the sudden cries of warning of a shepherd who spies the lion prowling around the flock in the darkness while the guardians of the flock lie drowsy and secure. So he says, when you're sleeping and you're drowsy and secure, you need to be mindful. So we know that the enemy is walking about hungry and determined in seasons of persecution specifically. Now, wouldn't that be interesting if we were in a season of the church being under persecution, coming under persecution, seeking whom he may devour. It's more apt to say seeking which, that which he may devour. Means he's eyeing specific people. Not merely just stalking forth vaguely looking for prey. He's specifically targeting certain people that are prey. He targets the weak. The lazy, the apathetic, that's who he targets. And the Bible gives us a lot of scripture that tells us what Satan is up to, especially in the latter days. And some people aren't aware of what he's doing right now because you don't study scripture. You don't know what the word of God says. So much biblical prophecy, folks, is being fulfilled right now. There's a lot of biblical prophecy being fulfilled right now. And there's one thing that you really need to be aware of is that the last days will be marked by apostasy. And apostasy literally means the falling away from, the departing from. It means that you were in something and you departed from it. 
And so it's a departing from biblical scriptural truth. It's a departing from the, the, the gospel that was preached in the book of Acts. A departing from the very word of God and a departing from the biblical account of Jesus. And Paul told the Corinthians and he told the Galatians and he said, you've already received another gospel and another Jesus. But if the Jesus you follow is the Jesus of the word of God made flesh, fully man, fully God, the Jesus that wants followers and not fans, obedience and not sacrifice, true love and not worldly lust, then you will endure. But if you are ignorant of God's word, you will surely be led astray. Folks, it's not the little things that trip us up. We don't trip over cars. It's the little things that trip us up, sorry. It's the little things that trip us up. We don't trip over the big things. It's the little things. Mind the little things. The next thing Tom taught me about was deflate gate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to bring it up. <laughs> This, this perhaps might be the greatest mar on Tom Brady's career. If you don't know what Deflategate is, uh, Sean was in here earlier and he kind of looked at me and so I had to explain what Deflategate is. You know, I, I always just assume sometimes people know what I'm talking about, but they don't know what Deflategate is. So Deflategate is, is that the, the Patriots had all these footballs that were deflated because if you can, if, when you deflate them, they can go further, and the NFL requires that they're inflated to a certain um, pressure and not sons. So he says, if God doesn't discipline you, if God doesn't chasten you, you're not a son. No. So it's interesting to me when people say, well, God's never disciplined me. I'm like, what God are you serving? I've been spanked a lot. <laughs> I have gotten away with something that I did do, and I've been accused falsely of doing things I did not do. What do you do? Keep going. We must endure. We must endure being disciplined by the Lord. And, and I don't know what part of discipline says to you, this is going to feel good. <laughs> uh, just the word discipline itself. There's nothing in the word discipline that even says it's going to feel good. <laughs> discipline is not good. But you know what? God's discipline is always warranted. He loves us, therefore he must discipline us. What do I say? Take your licks and keep going. Yeah, just take your swats and keep going. Lord, forgive me, I won't do it again. Okay, here's my swat. <laughs> Cry a minute. Let him say, I love you and keep going. Because God is not a progressive parent. He doesn't just let kids do what they want to do. Well, there's a lot of progressive parents out there, you know, saying, I'm just going to let my kids do what they want to do. And I don't need to discipline them and make their choice. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What kind of parenting is that? Y'all are not so. God disciplines those he loves. And maybe you're innocent. Let yourself be falsely accused. Who cares? What, what does it matter? Because does God know the truth? Will he not vindicate you in his time? Do you trust him to take care of the situation? Because I, and I will tell you this as somebody that has done it, when you handle it yourself, when you vindicate yourself, you get nothing but trouble. I, I mean, I, I am a witness to, to that testimony. 
Matthew 5, 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He says you're blessed when people falsely accuse you. First Peter, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So he said, you bless so you can obtain the blessing. In Proverbs 19, 19, a false witness will not go unpunished and he who breathes out lies will perish. So he said, what are you you vindicating yourself before? They're not going to go unpunished. If not in this life, in the next one. They'll be punished. A liar's going to be punished. Someone speaks falsely about you. They're going to be punished. What you, you don't need to concern yourself with it. I would say what people think about me is none of my business. Your opinion of me is none of my business. I know who I am. I know what he's called me to do. He spanked me enough. <laughs> Jeremiah twenty eleven. This is a good one. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Someone asked me, James asked me, what does that mean? I suppose it means he's a dreaded warrior against the enemies that are coming against you. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. Amen. What a better promise than of that of God. That if you're falsely accused, if someone comes against you to persecute you, he says, no, no, no. I got a dreaded warrior behind me. You don't want to mess with him. You mess with me. You can drag my name all over the mud. You can do what you want with me. But I got a dreaded warrior that on that day, he ain't letting you get away with it. The last thing Tom taught me is how to endure. At 43 year old as a quarterback, it's, that, that is a huge, huge accomplishment. Huge accomplishment in the NFL. And Brady said this, he said, football to me is more than a sport. It's become my life. And this is the reason why he's the greatest quarterback ever. I don't know how he is a husband. I don't know how he is as a father. I don't know how he is as a friend. But in the field of football, he endures because football is his life. And this is the key to his success. Football is his life. If your heart is divided in any way, you will not endure. If Jesus is not your life, if he's not the love of your life, your first love, you will not endure. Jesus said in Mark, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for things enter in and they choke that word and it's unfruitful. That was a seed sown among the thorns and there's trials that are coming and they will prove where our treasure is. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. If our heart is divided, eh, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And Jesus said in the end times that lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. Now that love there is agape love. It means that those are those within the church, their love will grow cold because of lawlessness, because of trials, because of tribulation. He says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. 
And endurance is the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process without giving way. It denotes going a, a long distance or demand something that demands great physical stamina. The Christian walk is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's to the end of my days. Will I endure? Will we endure till the end? Endurance requires the passion to see him face to face. That he is the love of my life. My desire is to be with him no matter what the cost is. And I'm going to end with something from Oswald Chambers. Sorry, my old eyes can't read. The habit of rising to the occasion. It says, remember that you have been saved so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your body. Direct the total energy of your powers so that you may achieve everything your election as a child of God provides. Rise every time to whatever occasion may come your way. You did not do anything to achieve your salvation, but you must do something to exhibit it. You must work out your own salvation, which God has worked in you already. Are your speech, your thinking, your emotions evidence that you are working it out? And if you are still the same miserable, grouchy person set on having your own way, then it is a lie to say that God has saved you and sanctified you. This is like 1800s, folks. God is the master designer and he allows adversities into your life to see if you can jump over them properly. David said, by my God, I can leap over a wall. God will never shield you from the requirements of being his son or daughter. First Peter says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Rise to the occasion. Do what the trial demands of you. It doesn't matter how much it hurts as long as it gives God the opportunity to manifest the life of Jesus in your body. May God not find complaints in us anymore, but spiritual vitality, a readiness to face anything he brings our way. Amen. Amen. Angie's going to come up and pray. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. You know, I always like to take a minute and just give you a chance to to respond to the message. Bow your heads. You know, if the Holy Spirit spoke something to you, don't let this moment pass without applying that word to your life. Are you all in? The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. If, if, if God is God, then choose him and be all in. All in. If not, then just go. He says, don't be double-minded about things. Stop being wishy-washy about things. If you want God, you want him to save you. You want to see him someday. You want deliverance from your sins, then be all in. If you don't have the Lord right now, if you can't say, I am all in, he is my savior. I know where I'm going and I will endure by his strength. If that's not you today, just raise your hand and we'll pray with you because the Holy Spirit is here. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? If you feel feel bold enough, 
Will you walk to the front? Someone wants to pray with you. And, and I'm telling you right now, sister, there is no reason to be ashamed. There is no reason for, there's no reason to, to there's nothing. We are, we are a, a house full of people that love the Lord and we are excited with you today. We pray with her, Shelly. Pastor Shelly is going to pray with you. The Lord is here. Don't let this day pass you by. If you've been far away from God, today is your day. Just return. Say, Lord, I'm sorry I lived in the world. I just want you and just return. Just run to him and he's ready for open arms. He's ready to receive you. For the rest of us, just let this word get down in your heart. What things say, Lord, show me what I need to work on. Lord, show me what needs to be done in me. God, show me the things that are not of you. Father, I thank you for today's word. I thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all our sins. That we can be called children of the most high God. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We can't do anything without you. And we're nothing without you, Lord. But we are everything with you. We can do all things in you and through you, Lord. Thank you for this unspeakable gift, Lord. Thank you for today, Lord. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. Give it to whoever you will. Father, we just praise you and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.